Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody online, wherever you're dialing in from the various campuses. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. It's kind of like coming home to a bunch of friends. You guys really know how to make people feel welcome. That's how you're spoken of at the city gates, is people that know how to love well. And uh, since the last time I was with you, I'm still waiting to be a grandpa. I got nothing. I, I got two ponies in that race right now. I got three kids, two are married. I'm like, I got two ponies in that race. My son went to uh, Hawaii with his wife a week or two ago, and, and he called me up. He said, Dad, it rained the whole time. I'm like, yes! <laughs> More wine to the cabana. I'm expecting, like my kids aren't expecting, I'm expecting every day. Forget Instagram, I want a sonogram. <laughs> oh, but it's so good to be with you. I, uh, I've been to Hawaii a couple times. Uh, one time I went there by boat. I, uh, we, there's this boat, it's a Transpac race, and you race over to Hawaii, and you have to steer by the stars. And uh, so we got a navigator off a destroyer to be the guy. We had our ringer. But two days before the race, they changed his orders, and they made me the navigator. What a stupid idea. <laughs> I didn't know the pointy end from the blunt end. So I went to the marine store, and I got a map. They're like, it's a chart. I'm like, whatever. So. I put one end of this ruler on Long Beach, and the other end on Diamond Head, and I drew a line. And up in the upper right-hand corner is a compass rose, and, and you can figure out what you know heading to steer. We steered that heading for 1,700 miles. Do you know there's a difference between true and magnetic north? <laughs> there is. I had a 50-50 chance. And from here to the parking lot, it's a quarter of an inch, but from here to Hawaii, you miss the entire chain. Your first landfall will be Japan. <laughs> and then before you laugh at me too much, at the count of three, even on, online, on the different campuses, I want you to point to where North is. Ready? One, two, three. No looking at your neighbors. One, two, three, go. <laughs> That's Mexico. Somebody's pointing up the chimney. You too. I, I carry... I carry this compass around with me everywhere. I'm kind of a quirky guy, but I'll go into like hotel rooms. I'll walk into rooms. I walked into this room. The first thing I did is I got my compass out. And I thought, where's North? And here's the deal. North is right there. For a church called North Point, <laughs> I'm just telling. Yeah, so like this whole idea to figure out where North is. And it's easy to get a couple degrees off. This whole idea of loving people the, the way that Jesus loved it, he said, don't go for what's just magnetic, go for what's true. I have a friend, his business card, he's a, 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 a voice artist, and he does all the trailers to movies, and his, his, his uh, card just says, people believe what I say. Wouldn't that be beautiful if we could have that card in our life? People believe what I say, and if you know where true north is, if you find your true north in Jesus Christ, that's what we're going to be talking about today. And whether you've hung around with Jesus for 20 years, 20 minutes, or came for the pizza, there's no pizza. There's just Jesus. <laughs> and that's the true north. And if you're a couple degrees off, what a great time to kind of dial that back in. We all want the same things in life. We want love and purpose and connection and authentic relationships. Every single one of us want that. And for myself, I found that in, in the later years of high school in Jesus Christ. 
And so what I've been trying to do is figure out where north is from there. And I get a couple degrees off like you do. Uh, and, and it's because I'm impatient. I mean, literally. I just, I'm just like anxious. I'm like all Red Bulled out. And, and people who are, uh, haven't learned patience sometimes get distracted about where north is. Paul, you're in good company. He had the same problem. He, he, he said in 1 Timothy 1.16 that he was shown mercy, the worst of the sinners, so that Jesus might put on display his immense patience. Say that with me, immense patience. Immense patience. One more time with attitude. Immense patience. And you're going to find your north if you're immensely patient with the people who bug you, the people who creep you out. That's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to find north over and over again. I, the last time I was here, I flew in to the airport at 1.30 in the morning. You guys, so what I call, I called Uber up on the phone, right? And so, <laughs> check this out. It says, Jesus is arriving now in a Honda Accord. <laughs> I'm like, who knew? Chariots, clouds with thunder. I didn't th think he was going green. Well, I pressed the wrong button. I pressed Uber Pool. And I thought that was something you swam in until the last time I was at uh, North Point. And pool means you stop at every single place between you and there. And every thousand miles, you save a nickel. And so it's 1.30 in the morning, people. We stopped at every single bar. I literally, it was like a clown car. Two drunk guys would come in, the one would hurl, the other guy would get out. I'm like, no, I offered the driver a hundred bucks. I'm like, just take me to the hotel. And he's like, stinks to be you. Well, I could have sat in the back of the car and pouted about it and thought what a nice guy I was and what a raw deal I got, but I decided to be immensely patient. And so I just got with the program. At the next bar, I just jumped out. I'm like, you guys, come on in here. Get in here. Nobody will die in a traffic accident. And so these people got in. I walked a guy up to his door at 2.15 in the morning and knocked. Wrong house. <laughs> the person that met me was not immensely patient. But Jesus is. He sees us a couple degrees off, and he wants us to point back towards him. And the way that we get back towards him oftentimes is surrounding ourselves with people that are patient with us. And I just want to be known as that guy who's just patient with people. I practice it all the time. I'm still answering phone calls off my cell phone number. It's been crazy. There's a kid that calls me every three weeks. He just cusses at me. I'm a lawyer. I thought I'd heard all the cuss words. Evidently, there's new ones. And you know what? We've never gotten to what he's mad at, but I end the conversation the same way every single time. I tell him, I will always take your call. Now, I'm trying to be immensely patient. I've spent my whole life trying to be right. You know what's changing in me? I'm trying to be Jesus. And that's going to take some patience to, to get there. Uh, there's uh, some people in Washington, D.C. that have this dispute with each other. Actually, everybody. <laughs> but there's a couple of them I've been trying to help uh, sort through something. It ain't working. And so I was sitting at a table, and this guy next to me shows me his cell phone. And it says, do you know who Bob Goff is? And, and so I laughed. He told me about this guy. His name is Greg Murtha. Greg is the guy behind Bob Buford's halftime movement. He's just this phenomenal business. He's just this crazy, wonderful, talented guy. He got cancer. He'd been through 100 rounds of chemotherapy, and he was lying on his deathbed. 
And my, my friend telling me this, he texts back to Greg. He says, Bob's sitting right next to me. And 30 seconds later, the, the message dings again. It's Greg. He said, will you ask Bob if he'll write the foreword to my book? And people, there's only one answer to that. I mean, you say no, the trap door opens, just you die, you don't even die, you just go straight to hell. And it, <laughs> eternity separated from God. So I, I said, you know, I, I said, on, I would be so honored to write uh, the foreword. Well, here's the problem. Greg went to dance with Jesus the next day, uh, and I'd only met Greg one time. So I spent the next month talking to all of his friends. And do you know what they said? He was a guy who was immensely patient. I want people to know he was a guy who knew where True North was. We only have a little bit of time, people. It got me kind of thinking. I brought this tape measure with me to kind of illustrate it. Hey, if to, none of us know how long we're going to live, but if today goes okay, how long are you going to live? What do you think? Well, what do you think? 80, 70? 80? Okay, I'm giving you 81. Okay, so I'm 59 right now, all right? So that already happened. <laughs> that ain't going to happen. So like, <laughs> this is all we have. Actually, and I eat Pop-Tarts. Like, so. <laughs> and I'm in Uber a lot. So we got like so little time. What are you going to do with what you got? You know what I want to do? I want to spend mine immensely patient, pointing at True North. And there's something beautiful that happens when we get that part, we get everything right. But we got to ask this question, like, why do you do what you do? I'll tell you something about me that you guys might not know. You will never see me in a photograph without a Boston Red Sox hat. I don't even like the Red Sox. I don't like baseball. I, I wear this because my neighbor I told you about once, her name is Carol. She was a huge Boston Red Sox fan, and we knew by the end of the week she was going to start her dance with Jesus too. And so we made a deal. I said, Carol, I will wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life and represent the Sox here on earth. And, and in exchange, every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. <laughs> I read that verse in Matthew, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol! <laughs> know why you do what you do, because that's your true north. Like, literally, some of you, if you're doing what you're doing for applause, join the circus. But if you want Jesus, be immensely patient with the people who creep you out, the people who are wrong-minded, and engage people. If you're like me, I'm a pretty extroverted introvert. And so I was like, okay, I'm like Tigger. But, but I was sitting on a plane, and I looked across the aisle. I'm flying from Chicago to Springfield, Illinois. And across the aisle, there's a guy reading my book. <laughs> I'd never seen anybody reading it in the wild before. So I took a picture, and I put it on Instagram. I said, there's a guy reading my book. And all these people wrote back. They said, you got to meet him. You got to meet him. And I just didn't want to be that guy. You know? So we landed in Springfield. We're in that airport. And he, he leans over to do something with his luggage. I think, you should I tell you, I tell you, I tell And I walk out, and he's like, I the book. <laughs> there's no cool way to say that. And he looked up. He started shaking. He looked like he was going to have a stroke. I'm like, buddy are you okay? He's like, no, my wife gave me this stupid book to read. <laughs> it's about Jesus. And now you're sitting behind me. It's like God's stalking me. <laughs> and you know where I went at New Year's? 
I went to Springfield to watch him get baptized. God is immensely patient with us as he's pointing other people towards true north. But I assume everybody is having the same thing happen in their life that's happening in mine, and that's just wrong. He got a wedding planner yesterday on a Saturday who was praying for sunshine. And you had a, a, a farmer who was praying for rain. And I just want why it takes immense patience to realize that God is up to different things in different people's lives. And he might be saying something to you about what you're doing. Things are getting you a couple degrees off. Sometimes uh, uh, we're trying to provide for our family. We're so busy providing for our family that we actually don't provide for our family. We're a couple degrees off. Uh, I had somebody do a little intervention with me. Uh, we took one year of my travel schedule and they mapped it out with yarn. This was a year, you guys. Sweet Maria Goff has been immensely patient with me. And I drove into this driveway of our home and this woman who I've loved for 35 years and she loved me for 32 years, seven months and four days. <laughs> so uh, she's never raised her voice or said a crossword to me and it's a target rich environment. And she put this in the front window. <laughs> <laughs> help wanted. She wasn't saying she needed help. She was saying, I needed help. And you know the way she's helped me? By being immensely patient. There's a little kid's book that I read. The, the, the uh, premise of the book is really simple. It's whatever you put in your bucket, you'll become. And so I realized that what I need is a lot more patience in my life. And so you know what I did after reading this kid's book about the bucket? I went to Home Depot and I bought a bucket. And I just started carrying this bucket around with me for the next three months. Everywhere I went, I brought the bucket. I would literally I'd get onto airplanes with it. I looked like a dairy farmer. And then people were like, do you have a bladder problem? I'm like, actually, yes, but that's too much information. But, like, <laughs> but I have a bigger problem. I'm impatient. And so I've been trying to fill my bucket with patience every time I get. There's this guy that used to be a friend of mine. He's, we're not friends anymore. His name uh, is uh, 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 Phillips, Craig, Craig Phillips. He's got a band called Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And <laughs> it sounds like a law firm. But he's also the pastor of a, of a church. And so we, uh, he invited me to come speak at the church. It was a year in advance. And so I said yes, because I like him a lot. And I get there, you guys, it's Super Bowl Sunday. I'm like, did you know it was Super Bowl Sunday when you asked me to come? He's like, I knew nobody would come if you weren't here. I'm like, I hate your guts. Well, I had to spend the night, which I don't do very often, and the next morning, I'm rushing back to the airport. I jump in my Avis car. I pull into the lot, and I get that guy. Have you ever gotten that guy at Avis? He's like, so slow. My clothes are going out of style. I'm like, really? Like, really? It's like 20 minutes, and I look in the passenger seat, and there's my stupid bucket. And I'm like, fill it with patience, fill it with patience, fill it with patience. I got there in the fall. He came in the spring, and he opened the door, and he said, how was your rental car experience? <laughs> and in the old days, I just want to hit him. <laughs> but because I'd been filling my bucket with patience, I, I was able to tell him. I got out of the car, I grabbed my bucket, and I said, it was terrific. I love you. I love Avis. I love airports. I lo so I went to, the, to, went to the terminal to go book a new flight, because mine was long gone. And this guy runs up behind me. He grabs me by the shoulder. He says, I just want to tell you, 
That was an awesome sermon yesterday. But you were there? Oh, people, they're watching you. And if people want to see Jesus, I want them to meet a bunch of people who know where True North is, and they're immensely patient. But we just got to figure out this question, what do you want? Like literally, and if you don't know what you want, you'll be like this dog that runs around like collecting all these sticks. Like you just go get everything, figure out what you want. You know what I want? I want to be patient. And I'm trying to be, do it in the humblest way possible. I live on the bay with Sweet Maria and this puppy of ours now. And people have figured out where I live. And they come by the house on their boats and they talk about me. <laughs> it's so awkward. They don't know. I can hear them. I hear what they're saying because their voices carry over the water. And I'll tell you, humble voices carry further in the world. You want to speak words of life to people? Be patient. Philippians 2, Paul's talking to his friends. He said, don't do anything out of selfish ambition, but instead in humility, value others is more than yourself. And that patient people do that. I, I, I'm a pretty upbeat guy, so I don't have very many people been out of shape at me, but somebody sent me this letter. And they were actually kind of like upset about something. And so, so I, <laughs> I'm like, dad. So I I got this letter, and, and, uh, and so I, I read through it, and you know what I do is three things. When I get something or somebody's been kind of curt with me, I, I just assume that they're smarter than me because uh, I'm never the smartest guy in the room, including right now. But I, would just, I just assume they're smarter than me. Oftentimes they use words I don't even know yet, and so I look them up. And I, I, the second thing I do is I assume that they love God more than me. That's that idea of considering others more valuable than yourself. And the third thing is the most important. As I'm working on my patience, as I'm trying to focus on true north, I just uh, come up with the least creepiest explanation for whatever they just did. Because it's easy to come up with the creepiest explanation. What if you come up with the least creepiest explanation? I was speaking at a church that was this size, and there's one seat that's empty right there. And this woman comes in a little bit late. She's got a seven-foot boa around her neck, not like feathers from the 1950s. It was a python. It was like, ah! And I'd like to tell Bob, get a hold of yourself. And I just assumed she was smarter than me. All evidence to the contrary. I, I assumed that she loved God more than me because she was certainly on track to meet him sooner than me. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, what's the least creepiest explanation for this? And do you know what I came up with? Maybe she doesn't know. <laughs> I thought she ducked under a branch on the way it wrapped around. I'm like, I'm not telling her. <laughs> People who are immensely patient, like, wait for uh, more information to emerge before they start deciding who's in and who's out. We're not a bunch of sheriffs. And we're not Jesus' lawyer. We're people who are supposed to be immensely patient. And we're supposed to be patient with each other. And sometimes it's tough in a church, in a community of faith, whether it's this one or that one, or one church and another church. And I just, I think that's one thing we could work on too, just being immensely patient with others and their, their worldviews. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I was five years late for writing this next book. I just didn't have anything to say. <laughs> I'm getting registered mail from the publisher, like, where's the book? I'm like, don't worry, sue me. Like, so, so I figured out what, in the process of writing this next book, what a collective noun is. 
a collective noun would be like a, a murder of crows or a crush of hippos, <laughs> which cracks me up. Do you know what a bunch of alligators is? A congregation. <laughs> I'm just saying. So one of the things is that sometimes we need to be immensely patient with each other. When something goes a little wonky, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just say, figure, if they're a couple degrees off, you don't need to straighten them out. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. And resting in the confidence that he's doing something different in their life than he's doing in your life. I turned in this manuscript, and it didn't have any chapter titles. And they're like, forget something much? <laughs> but what I've learned is this, that the best chapter titles come later. Haven't you found that in your life? Think of when someone rejected you in high school, and you felt rejected, and actually a little bit later, you'll see that as release. Sometime where, where you felt like you were prevented from something you really wanted to do. And with a little bit more time that goes by, you realize I was actually protected. There might be a loss that you've heard. Somebody broke your heart or did something wrong to you in a business deal. And you might title that chapter immediately, I'm out. But give it a little while. And you might retitle that chapter more accurately, I'm back. I think there's something that happens when, when a community like this and welcomes people who, who have different views of Jesus than you do. And there's something about being invited versus being welcomed. Ever gotten invited somewhere you weren't welcome? Uh, you know like that. Oh, my son finally got married to this gal he's been hanging out with since the fourth grade. I'm like, buddy, take your time. I need kids. So. So they finally got married. It was time for the reception. And it's like 200 bucks a plate. I'm like, don't they make corn dogs anymore? So we sent out all these invitations to people we thought we were supposed to invite. And there's this one family. They got seven kids. They're all just nuts. I mean, if they showed up, all the neighborhood cats would be missing. They're just crazy. And they RSVP. They said they were coming. I'm like, no! Just because I invited you didn't mean I wanted you there. And I think there's something about welcoming people. There's something, that's why I will never shake hands with people. I just want people to know you are welcome here. And there's nothing <clears throat> that says you're invited more than the Statue of Liberty. I mean, it's like bring your weak, your hurting, your, just bring, sneak in here, whatever, just get over here. Uh, have you ever seen her face up close? Check this out. It's just a really angry French woman. <laughs> I don't want people to meet my opinions. I want them to meet Jesus. I saw that. I'm like, who are you? Actually, I think I figured it out. I'm like, <laughs> you guys, and it's going to take immense patience to do that. But we got to get back to our faith. I, I was invited to, uh, to speak at a Major League Baseball game. We evidently have a team in San Diego. I never knew. And so... So they asked me, somebody was going to speak and somebody was going to do rap. So like Chance, I thought it was like, what's up? So I thought I would be that guy, but evidently not. They wanted me to speak. So when I got there, they said, Bob, do you want to throw the first pitch? I'm like, more than I want to breathe. And then I thought about it for a second. How many of your parents in here? If somebody wants to do something awesome for you, who do they do it for? Your kids. So I said, could my son Richard take the mound? And they said yes, and so Richard takes the mound, and he like three hops it to the plate, but from where I was seeing, I thought he was throwing all strikes. 
There's something beautiful that happens. I think the way that we get to patience is to get back to playing catch with God. Literally, this is called a clincher. They made these during the Depression because nobody could afford mitts. And so it was big enough that people could just catch it, bigger than a softball, but it's so soft, nobody could hit a home run. I'm like, that'll preach. Like, but this idea here, coming at you, I, I'm just, I think God wants us to play catch with him again. He just wants us to get back to that. Here, coming at you. Just play catch with God. What, what if I asked Adam? Like, Adam, let's play catch. And he says, no, actually, I'd rather just be in a study of you next Wednesday. And we're like, no, actually, let's just play catch. Coming at you, honey. Are you worried that I'm going to throw this to you? Are you like, oh, my gosh, what if I drop the ball? Aren't you thinking that right now? Right? But you know what a good father does? If you drop the there you go. If you drop the ball, a good father just steps closer. I'm coming at you. Keep your arms in your pockets. <laughs> a good father just steps closer. And if you want to know what following Jesus is about, about true north, it's going wherever God throws the ball. And uh, so it's going to be evidenced in this idea of a grateful heart. Gratefulness is what's going to get us to patience. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can open up to Luke 17, but if not, I've, I've printed it up here. Luke 17 is the story uh, about the 10 lepers. Remember how that went? I'll just summarize it for you. So the 10 lepers uh, are traveling, and they stood at a distance. Man, some of you might be standing at a distance, looking at Jesus, just thinking, man, I'm just too screwed up. I've messed up too bad. I just, there's no way that Jesus, if everybody, anybody knew what really was going on in my life, you wouldn't do it, but I'm telling you, the God of the universe wants to play ball with you. He just wants you to start playing catch again. And you know how the story ends. The ten are healed, and go to the next slide. Oh, one of them comes back to give thanks to God. I mean, there's something beautiful. You want patience, you need to have a grateful heart. Because people who aren't grateful aren't patient. Have you noticed that? But if you're just so filled with gratefulness for what's happening in your life, and Jesus asked this question of the one that came back, and it's kind of chilling. He said this, where are the other nine? I don't think this was an indictment. I think he says, come with all of your gratefulness. Let's go play catch. Now go back to the other nine that you know and celebrate. Get back to going true north. Realize God's dumped something huge in your heart. For those of you that are following Jesus, he's actually healed you. He says, you get to spend forever with me. For those of you that are just wondering about this, just continue to say, Jesus, throw me the ball. And there might be a day, and it might be today, that you just say, I'm going to throw that thing back to you, and it's going to be my life. I'm just going to say, following Jesus isn't complicated. It's playing catch with the God of the universe. It's just saying, I'm in. And is there more to that? You bet. Don't worry about it. Just start. Play catch with God. And what I found is that gratefulness leads to action. John 17 is my all-time favorite chapter in scriptures. You get to hear Jesus talk to his dad. And in John 17, he said this, I brought glory to you on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. People of God, finish your work work. You know what your work is? To keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, to play catch with him, and to stay grateful, and to evidence it in patience. There's a, a church that asked me to come speak at their place. It's in Northern California in a city called Redding, 
And uh, they, they said, be there at 9 o'clock. So I got there early and ate some waffles and showed up at the church. They're like, oh, Bob, it's 9 o'clock at night that we want you. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> it wasn't a problem to burn the day in Reading, but there's evidently like one flight every month or two in there. And I needed to be in Los Angeles to do a commencement for 10,000 people at a university at 8 o'clock the next morning. Now, I could have blown out of the thing and said, man, there's some, uh, you know, confusion, and so I got to get down to Los Angeles. But doing my work means keeping my word. And it means the same thing for you. Some of you have said stuff to Jesus about well, how much of your life you're going to give him when you throw him the ball. And I just want to encourage us to keep our word with him. So I stayed. I stayed till 10 o'clock at night. And speaking of this thing, you know what I did? I called Uber again. <laughs> the guy said, where are you going? I said, Los Angeles. He came to Jesus right there. He's like, yes. So this guy's more tired than me. It's like driving by Braille. 15 minutes into it, it's like da, 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 on the highway. So uh, I made him pull over. I drove both of us to Los Angeles. <laughs> 10 hours. And when I got there, he charged me $950. I'm <laughs> like, no. Well, I made it to the graduation. I was just bone tired. I'm like, you guys are commenced. I'm finding a bed. And the president of the university said, Bob, how'd you like to go to a woman's softball game? And I'm thinking, heck no! I haven't slept in 30 hours, but I'm trying to be immensely patient. So I said, I'd be delighted to. And so we went to the ball field, and he points to first base at this young gal there and says, let me tell you about this team from Washington State. They were playing a team from Central Oregon, and the team from Central Oregon, it was the last inning, the gal hits a home run, and as she's going around first base, she tears her ACL, and she goes down. In the rules of the game, if they get a pinch runner, it's, an, it's a stand-up double and they lose the game. If her teammates help her, it's an automatic out. So you know what they did? He points over to first base again. He said the opposing team picked her up and carried her around the bases. People of God, that's what we do. We know where true north is. We're being offensive patient, and playing catch with God means helping people out. Not just hoping for people, helping people. There's something beautiful that happens. Following Jesus is about that. I, I, I'm on Twitter in the mornings. And I don't like send a tweet out. I actually got a new follower. Check it out. <laughs> that said Jesus is following me. I thought it was supposed to be the other way around, but I'm like, whatever. I, I checked. He only has 12 followers. I'm like, one of them will betray you. Uh, <laughs> wrong, Jesus. But following Jesus means helping people around the bases, people that don't have it quite right, people that aren't just invited, but you let them know you are welcome here. It's like you just threw this ball from all of eternity to them. Greet them with love. Greet them with acceptance. People don't grow where they're informed. They grow where they're accepted. Just be those people. And, and then Paul, talking to Timothy, said that God doesn't give us... Uh, a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to find people who, who, who have messed up big and be immensely patient with them. You know from the last time I'm here, we're still working in Mogadishu, Somalia. 
We've got schools in Iraq and Somalia. Next month in May, we're opening our next school in Afghanistan. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> One of the young men, he was actually taken by Al-Qaeda. Their arm is Al-Shabaab in Somalia, and his job is to go and to hurt a lot of people with this exploding vest. And he had been captured by the military, he had been released, and this is this kid that went in, he called his mom on the way in to do this horrible thing, and he told her what he was going to do. You know what his mom said? If you do that today, I will put a curse on you. I love moms. And you know what he did? He took this thing off, and he decided to just change his life, to give it a different direction. And it's going to take immense patience in encountering some of the people that creep us out the most. You know one of my best days this year? We was getting a bunch of surfboards and taking this kid and some others out surfing in Somalia, just outside of Mogadishu. That is the face of a kid who sees who he's turning into. And what it takes, and people, and Jesus isn't wild when we go across an ocean. He's dazzled when we go across the street, when we go across the office to find the person that's bugged you, that's been wrong-minded, that's been hurtful, and just treat them with immense patience. You know what happened to that kid after he caught his first wave? This. <laughs> he wiped out. You might too. But you know what? The God of the universe is immensely patient as you do. I got to land the plane. There's a uh, uh, mailman we have on our block. His name is Art. You guys know we're still doing this parade every year, 23 years in a row. We don't think the idea of loving your neighbor is a metaphor for something else. We actually think we're supposed to love them. So Art is our mailman, and I hate to speak ill of him, but I just got to be truthful. He just stinks at it. He just is not a detail guy. So he just gives the mail like everybody gets each other. That's why we all know each other. We get each other's credit card bills. <laughs> I'm like, I, think, I got somebody's audit statement once. I'm like, I think this is for you. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Well, Art, after 20 long years, finally said he's going to retire. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Well, I decided to make him the grand marshal of our parade. So what we did, we got a convertible, and we put a thousand envelopes in the back of this thing. We said, Art, just do what you do every day. Just throw the envelopes everywhere. 800 people showed up to let Art know just how much he meant to them. He was so moved by this outpouring of love and patience and, and all that. He called me up the next day, he said, Bob, I'm coming out of retirement. I'm like, no! You know what I'm going to be? Immensely patient. And that's what I want you to guys to be. Let me close with this. At the count of three, I want you to point to where north is. Ready? One, two, three. That's what we do. We point each other towards Jesus. And we do it with immense patience. We grab a hand or a shoulder or whatever's not creepy. You'll know. Come on. <laughs> Come on, get in here. I want in on this. Oh, Jesus, you've been listening to us all morning. You know our hearts. You know that we get a couple degrees off us. We know you are immensely patient. Give us the guts and the grits to keep our eyes fixed on you. In your strong name, amen.